All right, peeps, on today's episode of The Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be answering all sorts of hot nonsense from the Patreons. Lots of gems, lots of Buji never leaves the door, lots of, oh, you think Buji is for emergency situations? Well, show me a fight that you've been in that was not an emergency. Send us the video. Let's get to it. <laughs> And every day, I practice martial arts. Yo, Dre, how you doing, man? Hello, Sifu. How are you today? Good, good. So according to you, I'm full of piss and vinegar today, right? Oh, yes, you are. So it is a Saturday morning. You I, are. I picked you up, and yes. you're going on and on with I got Mikey in the car, like, and I was just like, uh, what's up, Sifu? How you doing this morning? You were like, hey, Dre, what's up, man? I got that KFG energy. Yeah, and also, with that? if you have a car as nice as mine, it wakes you up in the morning. <laughs> you, can't, me you, can't drive, you can't drive my car and not feel... Yeah, like that the invigoration. World is yours. Yes, yes. Which oh, is why man. you're never gonna drive his car. That's right. You'll never drive my car. Nineteen eighty-seven. Pinto, by the way. All right. Yeah, the exhilarating. Oh, stop exhilarating. it! Exhilarating. Stop it! So here we are for another episode of the Kung Fu Genius. Hot topics. Hot topics. Uh, I just have been informed by our uh, sound guy and uh -huh. uh, quasi manager. Uh, quasi diva in training um, <laughs> that uh, we are coming up on the end of our this third is season. So true. Yeah. It's so bananas, too. Yes. So that means that we are almost done with the, the third Three year of seasons? KFG, right? Yeah. So that it is. That sorry, is coffee was cooling. Yes, yes, we are very close to the end. So of we want to do something special mm -hmm. for the finale. What's that? And um, we're going to ritually boy, sacrifice Dre. Our boy AJ on Instagram <laughs> uh, had a great idea. All What's right, AJ, idea? the podcaster on yes. IG. He said we should do a Jeopardy style game show. Ooh. And I was like, wow, that's pretty good. So I, I like I so loves in Jeopardy, babe. <laughs> so I know yeah. uh, the format. Okay. Because throughout, especially this third year, Mikey's had to, he's, he's, he's had to substitute done. for you more often because you were off living in another world for a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Being and a suburban dad. Being a suburban dad, right? As traitors. Yes. And so now. <laughs> We have like a, we have a bunch of Mikey episodes and we have a bunch of Dre episodes. Wow! So what I'm gonna try to do, and hopefully with some help from the audience, uh, Tofu, we're looking at you. Yes. So uh, I'm going to start looking. Yeah. But I'm I'm a very the kung fu world keeps me quite busy. So if our listeners can help us from season three, that is from episode 104, because mm -hmm. that would be the, the, the end of the second year. So let's mm. say episode 105. So an on up to the current one. Okay. All right. Because that's all kind of season three. Uh, questions mm -hmm. from things that were talked about in the episode. So. Um, we can have only in season three, though. Yeah, we're gonna have. Yeah, mm. because dude, come on, you don't remember anything from season one, do you? All right. <laughs> Dan Lee secretly three. recorded conversation, I right? Okay. Shit yeah, from yeah, yeah. Yesterday. Yes. Uh, so we'll do like a, a season three kind right. of recap, right? This is and it'll be, be questions. So, for example, there'll be three categories of questions. Yeah. Okay. There'll be one category of questions, which are topics and things that were discussed in episodes where Dre was the co-host. Okay. The second the, few. the second category okay. are 
topics and facts and things that were discussed while Mikey was the the co-host of Damn, the episode. this is interesting. The third category can be topics and facts and things that were discussed during interviews where neither one of you were my co-host. And so what I'm thinking is uh, we can come up with a point system. All right. Damn. So I will. So we'll have one camera on the two EUs. All right. Or maybe we'll we'll get real fancy new like, three cameras. Ooh, we could do all right? that. And then so we have one on you, one on Mikey, and I'll be the host because it doesn't make sense to ask me questions. All right. I know right. all this you shit. You know all this right? shit already. And uh, <laughs> as Sifu Langting would say, I have downloaded all the shits. All right. And so I will. Yes. Yeah, download all the shits. All right. So that's one, one of his <laughs> yes. famous lines. So I'll have yes. a uh, I'll have a, a card with all the questions. All right. And I'll ask them, you know, they'll be all mixed up. Mm-hmm. And I'll say like, okay, this is an interview category. All right, this is a Dre category. This is a Mikey category. Can we get right? the theme song? Now here's the thing. Yeah, we can get theme. No, I, th- I think I think we'll get uh, demonetized for using that. It's pro- no. probably no. proprietary. No, what, all no, that what stuff. I'll do is I'll re-record it, but like in a with like a kind of with kung fu with sounds. like a Bon Tempe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure oh, no, it's recorded on a Bon Tempe. Yeah, you just it. say you just have. Right, you just record that. Yeah, that's how you circumvent. That's how we circumvent all that, right? Okay, so if you if you Dre answer a question, a Dre question, we'll say it's like five points. Okay, because you were there, you should know. I should know it. But let's say you Dre answer a Mikey question because I know sure as shit you never watch the episodes (laughs) where you're not the co-host. All right, (laughs) then it'll be ten points if you answer a Mikey question, vice versa. So Mikey will get five points if he answers a Mikey question, but he'll get. 10 points if he answers a Drake question, although admittedly it's a little slanted in his favor for two reasons. Because he's at every episode. One, because he's at every episode yeah. doing the sound, too, and he also remembers shit. And three, right. actually, I watch all the episodes. Yeah, so, so he has, yeah, unlike Dre, like, cannot be bothered by yeah. any of this stuff, I've right? I've literally watched all the KFG yeah. episodes. Hey, so, there's a lot of, like, celebrities or actors, like, re- like Denzel, he mm. never watches anything he makes. A bunch of actors do that. Robert De Niro so, doesn't so, watch so, any so movies you are, he you are comparing what you do here at this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Let me get this straight. You're no, comparing I'm your contribution to this podcast to Robert not, De Niro. I am not. To yes, Denzel are. Washington. I am not. You are putting but yourself on the same level as Denzel. You, so then what am I? <laughs> what I'm saying is... You know he's only a hair away from comparing himself to Jesus. There's a lot. Yes, yes. Yo, you know did I mean? y'all no, actually, see... actually more Nelson Mandela, Did y'all see Escaping Twin Flames on Netflix? No. No, nice, nice pivot, by the way. I know. Let's see get this off of my divasness. See, see it. All right. Okay. See it. You know what I'm watching? I'm watching something that like everyone has been telling me to watch for a dog's age, but I didn't get to what? it. I'm watching Barry. Oh, Barry's great. Yeah, I just finished the first season. It's oh yeah, really I still good. have to watch what the third season, but it's the first, oh, it's amazing. Really good. Yeah, yeah. On what? Yeah, it's what on platform? HBO. Oh, okay. it's with Bill Hader from uh, uh, SNL. Okay, it's so good. I you, have you not know, heard of Barry? What it's like? It's it's like a comedy version of Dexter. Set in LA. Yes, yes, yeah. It's great. It's really great. It's so good. So before we get started, just want to remind everyone that the best way to support the Kung Fu Genius podcast is on Patreon. Patreon.com slash the Kung Fu Genius. For as little as $5 a month, you can get access to episodes early as well as additional goodies that are not otherwise posted here on the KFG channel and higher levels of support. Get all sorts of additional goodies, including uh, 
private episode with me. Secretly recorded private episode with the KFG. That's what's up. That's right. And uh, yeah, so go ahead and support us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash the Kung Fu Genius. Link is in the description below. All right, Dre. So um, we are going to do another Ask Me Anything episode. Although okay. as these... Late, since lately we've been doing it from our Patreons, mm-hmm. uh, we usually just get to one question per episode, which I like because I prefer these deep dives over mm. kind of the lightning round. Uh, and our Patreons yeah. ask really good questions. Like they ask full episode worthy questions as opposed to like, you know, short answered questions, right? <laughs> the kind of questions you would ask me, for example, right? <laughs> right, right. Uh, and, uh, That's what I do best. Do you cut your fingernails when you do Kung Fu? <laughs> all right, always, like, yeah. yes, uh, yes and no. Yes and right. no. Yeah, exactly. I'm That's your answer. Yes and no. Next question, right? <laughs> um, so uh, we have a Patreon question. Uh, let's let's We're going right into it. We're going right into it. Wow. Yeah. No more jibber jabber. We already, oh. we already... In in the five minutes, uh, six right. minutes since this episode's been going on, we've already realized that you consider yourself the Denzel Washington of the <laughs> KFG podcast. <laughs> yes, man. He, that movie he does, uh, The Tranquilizer, is good, man. I the love tranquilizer. those. Tranquilizer. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> that would be a great, like, you know how, like, in, especially in the I 90s. I love those movies. They would have those parodies, like, uh. Like the Wayans Brothers did all those like the scream parodies, yes. like scary movie and stuff like so that. Good. That'd be funny to have a movie called The Tranquilizer <laughs> and then like parodies like The Equalizer yeah. and all like oh, the, uh, like uh, Taken and all those movies, right? The yeah. Tranquilizer. He just turns up to do his like kind of like big fights and then he just like injects himself and falls asleep. <laughs> all right, Dreidel, what you got for me? Thank you. Oh, this is uh, from Mr. Hope. Mr. Hope, yeah. Had Mr. another great Hope. question for us a few weeks back. Oh, yes. Yeah. And he's saying, thank you for answering my question about opponent sticking in Chisa. Oh, yeah. That was the, I make my, oppo- my opponent stick to me. Yeah. Yeah. It was funny. There was one message. There was one comment. Yeah. What was that Co- comment? Uh, YouTube comments are so funny because, um, you know, f- I mean, for the most part, the comments are like, yeah, great episode or... You know, people, you know, chime in with their own ideas. But then there's, there's always some anonymous guy in the comments, <laughs> right. you know, not a real profile photo. You no. know, his, uh, you know, his handle is, you know, not. Chuckle Sticks 97. You know, not. with a Muppet uh, yeah, photo. Yeah, yeah. With, a, with the Swedish chef as his photo or whatever. Right. <laughs> All right. And, uh, and, and and then it's like, you know, that would and, and, and you can always, you know, what's funny about comments. Uh-huh. They're like, um, they're th- kind of three general categories of comments. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's subcategories in terms of the tone and stuff, but there's three types of comments you get. What are these three types? Okay, one, the people who watch the episode okay. and comment. Mm-hmm. Then the second one is the people who are commenting while watching the episode, and they will often comment multiple gun. times. Yeah, they'll jump the gun and yeah. be like, yo, no way. And then the next comment's like, oh, yeah, it totally makes sense what you said there. Like, like they're commenting while it's going on live, even though it's not a live video. Yeah. And, like, it's so funny because you'll get a bunch of comments where you're like, what is this guy talking about? And then and his next comment is like, oh, I see what you said there. And then the third type of comment. You answer my question. The third type of comment uh-huh. is the person who didn't, which I'm surprised. I, I'm surprised, but I suppose I shouldn't be shocked. 
The yeah. third category is the people who don't watch the episode uh -huh. and just saw the thumbnail or the, uh, you know, they just see the thumbnail. And, you know, we try to make the thumbnails provocative yeah. because that's what draws people that, watching the video, right? But it does, it's not necessarily accurate to what we say in... <laughs> Not you necessarily, know, it, no. You, you know what I mean? It's like that one we did a few weeks ago, which was like, you know, the KFG, you know, uh, discusses Bruce Lee's Wing Chun modifications, and I look like I'm all pissed off. And you uh -huh. watch a video, I'm not pissed off. Why would I be pissed off about Bruce Lee? He's my boy. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, you have to do it that way. Otherwise, because if people feel there's no snark or whatever, they're not. They, 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 everyone needs this, a little bit of, yeah, yeah. you know, the 10 reasons why you're Wing Chun. Like if I wrote like... 10 ways to improve your Wing Chun, or I wrote 10 ways, 10 reasons why your Wing Chun sucks. Oh. The one, 10 reasons why your Wing Chun sucks would be the one that people would click on. Yeah. It's just, it's like a weird thing, yeah, right? People want that. So there, there's always these comments like of people who clearly only read the title mm -hmm. and didn't actually watch the episode. So we had uh, the episode where we answered Mr. Hope's last question, which was like, you know, do I do I believe in the Wing Chun motto of, you know, uh, you know, at first uh, I stick to my opponent and then advanced levels or higher up or later or whatever. My opponent has to stick to me or whatever. Yeah. And then we talked about that and we talked about, you know, the meanings behind some of these sayings and all that kind of stuff. And there was a guy that said, no way this would work on me. Like, <laughs> like no one, like no one can stick to me. Like I would back away and keep distance and all that stuff. And it's like, dude, that's literally not at all what we're talking about, but, but it's amazing <laughs> so how, good. but it's amazing so how all caps. Uh, no, but it's amazing <laughs> how solipsistic and narcissistic the average person is. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we all suffer from it a little bit, but there's like, you see, something like a thumbnail or a title and people automatically feel like this is talking to them or about them or saying something to them yeah and it's like no one here knows who you are you were not part of the uh, the, the the you were not a factor in the decision committee to make this episode title we lasered in on you we're yeah. talking about you but people are like what is it wouldn't work on me and it's like yeah. It isn't about whether this thing would work or not. Right. It's about whether these type of sayings, what, what, what are the relative, what is the relative value of these old maxims, right? These old sayings, like some of them are conceptual, some of them are technical, mm -hmm. some of them might be made up, some of them might just be pie in the sky bullshit. Like I think that one is a pie in the sky bullshit one. Mm -hmm. um, but it's just so funny that you have like people who watch the episode and comment People who comment while the episode is going on and their first few comments are... That's me. Are I'm, uncooked, that, I'm, I'm right? that guy. I'm not talking about it in the live chat. I'm talking about like in the comments, right? Really? Yeah. And those guys, what, what I like about that second group is they'll comment five times. Uh -huh. So we'll get a bunch more comments when the guy's like, yo, man, I don't know. What do you mean here? And then like, oh, my bad. Now I see what you meant. And it's like, and he's basically having a conversation with himself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because no one's talking yeah, to no him. One, no one, right? No one's talking between to him. his five but comments. Like, but people feel like, like, oh no, like you know, yeah. uh, this is about me or I'm part of this, right? And and it's great. Um, yeah, I think it's it's, it's just really fun. And the guys who just comment like, oh, no, I guarantee, I, I actually believe a majority of the Bruce Lee drug letter comments mm. are from people who didn't really watch the video, because the people who get like really salty and think it was a personal attack clearly didn't really watch it because that's not the vibe at all. But anyway, let's go with our. 
new question here. Hey everyone, just want to let you know Wing Chun Illustrated is now offering a paperback edition through Amazon reaching a larger global market. And no, they're not ditching the glossy magazine edition through MagCloud. You can now simply choose the version of this magazine you prefer and the one with the cheapest shipping wherever you live. Order your copy of Wing Chun Illustrated today across 12 Amazon marketplaces with free shipping for Prime members. Go and check that out. I appreciated the discussion on the problem of pseudo-profound sayings and their potential for misinterpretation. Yes, me too. So, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know It's okay, so it's funny. okay. It's okay. It's a Dre episode, don't yeah. worry. Yeah, don't worry. So, in the spirit of cheesy platitudes, I'd like to follow up by asking you about the famous Wing Chun maxim, Buji but. Shut moon. Whoa. Wow. Wow. That Sorry about that. was disrespectful. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. On all levels. A little bit. A little bit. Yeah, he could he could he could control a little bit yeah. more. Yeah. Yeah. I have to say it again, right? Yeah. Buji but shut moon. Perfect Cantonese pronunciation. I if I close my eyes, I swear I'm listening to Yip Man. You swore. Yeah. You swore. So I can't tell the difference. You can't. No, I've never tell heard his voice. Difference. I can't tell the difference. The Buji does not go out the door. Yeah. Okay. Many people seem to accept this as meaning simply that the Buji is not shown to outsiders slash non-disciples. Uh, non right. Does this kind of statement even have any relevance in the 21st century where a beginner can look at the form on YouTube and imitate it? What other accepted maxims could we leave in the past? Thank you as always. That's great. Uh, no, it's a really good question. And the reason why uh, that question resonated with me is mm -hmm. because I am working on my Buji book at the Ooh, moment. And I actually dedicated it. I dedicated an entire chapter to this question. All right. Because it's a it's a famous you saying. Don't say. Yeah, it's a famous saying within at least within Yip Man Wing Chun. I don't know about the other Wing Chun lineages. Okay. I can barely speak for my own, let alone <laughs> others. Uh, the um, the saying is beauty but chut moon or beauty chut moon, depending on whether you want to use more formal or or colloquial Cantonese. And and it, it so beauty meaning the beauty form. Mm -hmm. But it means not or doesn't. Uh, chut means to leave or to exit. Moon, moon is the door or the gate. Mm -hmm. All right. So the Buji never leaves the door. And uh, it's it's relatively uncontroversial to say that most of the Yip Man Wing Chun, you know, diaspora of, around the world usually generally take that motto to mean that the, the Buji is not shown to outsiders or maybe uh, not uh, uh, openly demonstrated, not taught to non-disciples or not taught to people who are not yet qualified to learn it, you know? Mm -hmm. So something along that vein, meaning the Buji is something kind of special, it's in-house and it's only for certain people, right? Uh, I remember many years ago, probably in the, in the, in the 90s. Uh, when being you were like five years old. I wasn't five years old in the 90s. I no. graduated high school in the 90s, sir. Shit. All right. I'm old oh, ass shit. like you, okay? All right. I'm an old uh, ass yes. like you. So, uh, you know, in the early oh, days oh. of the internet, before social media, you had all those, like, oh, yeah. Yeah, those forums. Oh. And uh, I remember the Special um, times. Kung Fu magazine, yeah. uh, which is uh, now also, like, all the other martial art magazines also defunct. 
they had a they had an online forum. And I used to be what's known as a lurker. I used to read those things, but I never, I never participated because. Yeah. But that's also why, and I read all that stuff. Flying wall. Be, before I even moved to Germany and started doing Wing Chun full time, because I was mm -hmm. already doing Wing Chun in the states. But I would do is I would I would read those online forums, and um, although actually maybe timeline wise, I think the Kung Fu Magazine forum may have come while I was training in Germany, maybe not before. But I used to, in any case, I used to read those things very early on, and that's actually how I got to know a little bit about the who's who okay. in the Wing Chun world, at least especially in the States. Like, uh, I think, Joy Chowdhury and uh, Victor Parlotti and Phil Redmond and, wow. and all these guys, like, that. some of them later I got to meet. These were guys who were Damn. posting regularly. And there was, uh, of course, as always with these kind of discussion forums, there's a lot of politics and mm -hmm. a lot of, you know, the, the William Chung guys and the Larrington guys posturing against each other and the Moyet guys talking about how traditional and pure their Wing Chun is and the other guys telling them they can't fight and these guys saying, you're not pure. And blah, 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 blah. And, wow. and I would just sit back and just eat popcorn yeah. and go like, okay. But it's, but it's actually how I learned very early on what the, Michael Jackson what, what the vibe of the different Wing Chun schools were. Mm -hmm. So like I would go like, okay, so you cannot speak for everyone in a certain lineage. But in general, the Moyet guys tend to be a little bit like this. The Wong Sun Leung guys tend to be a little bit like this. The Larrington guys are like this. The William Chan guys are like this. And I didn't take that just by reading one or two of the guys. Like, you, you read, like, what all those guys kind of say. You're like, okay, this is their vibe. This is, mm -hmm. this is the hill that those guys die on. <laughs> this is the hill that those yeah. guys die on. And uh, I just wanted the information. Obviously, I was getting into Larrington Wing Chun, but I still wanted to know mm -hmm. what the other guys were doing. I didn't have, like, as... Um, Tribal a mentality. I didn't really become tribal about Leung Tang Wing Chun until I started learning from Leung Tang, right? right? And okay. then I was kind of in his in his orbit for a little bit, yeah. right? Like kind of be, being yeah. around Emperor Palpatine, right? <laughs> um, and then it just took me a little while to break away from that. But like yeah. prior, even while I was in WT, um, but prior to learning from Sifu Leung Tang, I, I really liked WT and I thought it was one of the better representations of Wing Chun. But I wasn't like, uh, you know... WT is the best F the rest. I was very much interested in what the other guys were doing, right? All right. Um, and so I remember in the 90s reading about people arguing about this topic, mm. okay? And uh, in the years since and in all the books that I've read and all the discussions I've had, I have to say that almost every single person who mentions this beauty, but Tutmun, Means it to say like your yeah, beauty wasn't wasn't taught to anyone who really wasn't qualified or mm -hmm. didn't go out the door so and so, forth. but there was one guy who was like the beauty never leaves the gate, meaning like you never go outside of your gate when you do it, and um, he never leaves your gate like and your yeah in your like house. because beauty yeah so he wasn't <laughs> talking about the beauty form and the knowledge itself not leaving the door uh -huh. he meant like the movements in the beauty never go outside the gate. Um, and when I read that, that was years before I learned the Buji. So mm -hmm. I, I just, I just remember because I have a photographic memory uh, for these kind of things, right? And, and so, but really, like right. this discussion we're having here, I can tell you, like in the late '90s, I read about this on a forum before I even became so invested. But I, I just remember these things. Like, yeah. This is my brain. 
pornographic. I, don't I mean, ask, photographic don't ask, memory. Don't ask me what I had for dinner last night. But like, we, yeah. uh, well, let's talk about a thread I read on some forum in the late in, '90s, yes. right? Before I was like fully invested in all this stuff, right? So um, the one guy said, "Oh, it never leaves the gate," and blah blah blah. And I remember some guys kind of going like, "Well, that's really stupid," or whatever, because of course you have movements like Dong Faxo, uh huh, which completely go outside of what you would call, unless you're now extending the gate further out. But the problem mm. is if you then change the parameters of something to fit your definition. I mean, a definition that means all things means nothing. All right. So, um, so besides that one weird outlier comment, which just could have been some idiot who didn't know what he's talking about anyway, the consensus would seem to be that it, it really means that it's not taught to unqualified. All right. Mm-hmm. So I just want to put that in there because just in case people were like, well, there's another interpretation that there really isn't. Um, right. And there really isn't any interpretation that makes any sense, given, given what the BUG is for. The BUG is a problem-solving form. So if you imagine that the Sunum Tao and the Chamkyu, they represent the operating system of Wing Chun. Yeah. Okay? So the majority, and that's how we teach it here at City Wing Chun, the, the majority of what you need to defend yourself using Wing Chun you find in the first two forms. The, you know, the idea of simultaneous offense and defense, overwhelming offense, tracking, staying on top of your opponent, closing the gap. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the primary tools, kick punches, elbows and knees, you know, all this stuff is found in the first two forms. And the fundamental chi sao, pun sao, attacks, all that kind of stuff, right? Right. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, if someone attacks you on the street, whether you're standing in a classical chong sao or you're using a fence or you just have to go into action, you close the gap, you punch, you control, you stick, you clinch, you hit, and you hopefully end the fight very quickly, right? So, hopefully. So what then, <clears throat> so where does the buji fit in? Well, when you look at the buji form, just from a choreography standpoint. Oh, yeah. It, it, it's kind of unique among the other two forms. Now, that's also a weird thing to say because the first two forms are also quite different from each other. The Siyunam Tao form is stationary. Yeah. And the Chamkyu form has turns and kicks and steps, right? Um, <clears throat> but the Byuji form is, is an outlier for another reason. And the, the reason is that most of the movements of the Siyunam Tao and Chamkyu, most, not all, tend to follow on a vertical or sagittal plane. And the Byuji is a lot more horizontal and it's a lot more curved, mm-hmm. okay? Yes, you obviously still have straight lines in the Byuji, but you have a curve, lots of curved lines. And what you see, if you could, if you could take like, you, you know when they take those photos where they leave the exposure on and then you could see like in one photo, like the, tr- like the, the, the tracers trails. of the, of oh, the other yeah. movement, almost like a little bit like when Bruce Lee did his thing in yeah. the end of Fist of Fury, right? But imagine that as a photograph, all right? Well, if you did a photo like that of the Siyunam Tao form, most of those blurs would be like in front of you and it would be like here with the exception of the double fox out, right? Mm-hmm. And then the chum cue form, kind of the same, but now since you're turning and moving, there's a lot more action, right? But you would see most of the lines are pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. But when you look at the Buji, if you were to see all of the movements in the, of the Buji in a blur, you would see that it fills in all the angles of movement that is not handled by Siyunam Tao and chum cue. Okay. So diagonals and odd angles from this side to that side. And of course you have the bending at the end. And so it's almost like filling in the spaces and angles that the first two forms didn't, Mm -hmm. um, didn't have. So it's, it's from a movement perspective, it's kind of unique in that way. It's a decidedly non-linear part of the Wing Chun system. Now, again, I'm not saying that there are not linear movements in there, but it, it uses a slightly different idea of how the triangle works. 
um, you know, the Sunam Tao Chamkyu is kind of the fist comes from the heart, from the center. Right. So you're creating that triangle shape right from the middle, whereas the Buji actually creates it from the side. So you're cutting the entire triangle with one hand instead of with two. Um, <clears throat> I remember <laughs> I thought that was just like something we did in Leung Wing Chun because a lot of the other styles don't talk too much about their Buji openly. But then uh, I had a conversation with Roland Tong, one of Yibun's yeah. private students many, many years ago, obviously not a WT guy. And he like took me to the side and he's like, oh, I'll tell you something that Yip Man told me. He's like, the PUG doesn't go from the middle forward. It goes from the side fo- like to the center, mm-hmm. which is how we teach it. Right. But that was like a big secret. Right? Yeah. Like, that way you can cut the entire triangle instead of just one half, which is exactly what we teach. Right. But it was so funny because he like he pulled me like the young end to the yeah. side to like give me this nugget of information. Oh, and I was I was very Special. grateful to hear it because it was a confirmation of what I had learned. And of course, I didn't say what most Westerners would be. Oh, oh yeah, 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 I know that I already. Know that yeah, already. I learned that already, right? And and then yeah. you would then totally shut off learning it. Like that's always the mistake Westerners make. Uh, a Chinese oh, seafood gives you a piece of information. Oh, I knew that. And uh, then the Chinese seafood was like, oh, well, okay. Well, I guess I have nothing to teach you. It's like... <laughs> So pro tip, if you learn from a Chinese seafood, if the yeah. Chinese seafood tells you something you already know, don't say, I learned that already. I know that already. Okay. Um, in fact, don't even do that if it's not a Chinese seafood, yeah. right? Just Let's listen to knowledge. it from another perspective yeah. and then wait for some new information to come or expand on that information. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know that already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I saw that already. Uh-huh. Okay. And usually the people who are the, uh-huh, yeah, I saw that already. I learned that already are the people who still can't do it. It's like, oh, well, you saw it, but you can't do it. We're no. shit. You can't do it in the form. Yeah. I don't think you can do it in fight. I don't think you can do it in cheese <laughs> So why don't you take your yeah, 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 and do it more, all right? You know, what is the solution for bad horse stance? More horse stance, all right? <laughs> oh, yeah. So uh, <laughs> it's an no. old meme, all right? No, no like horse stance, more horse stance, right? So, uh, <clears throat> but uh, in, in the WT system, uh, <laughs> where the buji fits in. So if you imagine that Sunum Tao and Chumkyu represents your operating system, most of what you need in Wing Chun, your controls, your pins, your hits, your swarming attacks, simultaneous offense and defense, closing the gap, all that good stuff, we teach within the curriculum of the first two forms. So what buji does, it's a problem-solving form, okay? Uh, it, it fills in certain gaps, maybe movement-wise or angle-wise, that the first two forms don't, don't discuss or, mm-hmm. or follow. Um, but it also, at least the way we teach it in WT, it provides two tracks of solutions. Mm-hmm. The one is what we call rapid resolution, right. okay? Which is, um, <clears throat> you know, it, it sounds a little cheesy to say, uh, you know, like the kind of one punch, one hit knockout, because a lot of people reflexively don't believe in that stuff. And I, don't believe in that stuff to be clear like the idea like oh there's a s- special technique i'm going to use it's going to knock out my opponent Automatic. guaranteed right yeah. i don't believe in that kind of stuff all oh, right goodness. um but when we talk about rapid resolution it means that there's certain types of strikes in the buji form which are let's just say for slightly heavier firepower <laughs> maybe you you hit someone in the face and it's not quite powerful enough because you're fighting someone who's bigger or stronger. So you need maybe some other ways of striking someone that might not make you into an undefeatable guy, but just give you a a little more of an advantage than you otherwise have. Maybe not an advantage over that guy, but more an advantage than you Mm -hmm. otherwise would have if we're going to be really open and clear about, you know, not exaggerating claims. All right. So there are certain types of strikes in the Buji form that are... Mm, 
to quote my ex, nasty. All right? Okay? Uh, Janet, right? Okay? And, uh, and so uh, you uh, don't bring her up, though, okay? Okay. Uh, so... We- um, we won't. You know, you, you have chantels and, and throat cutting hands and things like that. Mm. And that can like that could give someone an advantage over just having a punch or a palm strike as your main striking tool. Mm. So that's one thing. This kind of rapid resolution, these nasty elbows, these nasty ways of hitting someone. All right. Um, but of course, knowledge of the form doesn't bestow you with that skill. You learn it in the form and then you got to. You, you got to do the work, it. like yeah. training that strike on the wall bag, the heavy bag, in Chisau, you know, in any way you can on focus mitts to develop it as a skill. Just pantomiming movements in a form do not mean that you suddenly have that skill. Yeah. Just kind of like what we were talking about, our boy Viking Samurai, you know. Uh, oh, you, can, right. you, can take, you can take 20 lessons or sessions uh-huh. with the best boxing coach. But that doesn't mean that now because you learn those things in a boxing session, you now can do them. Right. And even if you can kind of do it, it doesn't mean you can then also do it in the stress of a real fight because you need to take these skills, learn them step by step, develop power with them, and then eventually apply them with a resisting opponent. Right. All right. That's, that's when you can do it. Like, so it's kind of a three-step procedure. Learn the technique, then it's develop the technique, and then it's test the technique. And Viking Samurai is in his learning the technique phase, not realizing there are two other phases he's got to go through before he can really say that that thing is his own, right? It's the same thing, the number of people who learn the Buji form. Oh, they just no. learn the form. Literally. I know let's, let's, like, I'm a Kung Fu guy. I'm a Wing Chun guy. I love this stuff. Yeah. And I have a fondness for the Kung Fu arts, all right? But let's, let's take away our fondness and our personal attachment here for a moment, Okay. There are people in the Wing Chun world that think because the lineage they're in, all right, provides them with the most authentic version of whatever form they're learning. Rightfully so. That by literally, and I'm going to be very clear, pantomiming movements in the air by yourself, they now have something that's going to help them fight better, okay? Simply by pantomiming movements in the air in a certain sequence, All right. It's almost as absurd as saying like you learn a certain dance choreography, Mm -hmm. a very specific dance choreography. And now if someone were to chase you, you could use that dance choreography to outrun them, not knowing how they're going to chase you. It would be the same kind of thing. Okay. now, of course, I understand that's a little bit of a straw man argument, Uh but it's against my own point. Because obviously we don't just learn the form. We then have drills to learn how to use those movements with a partner. And then we ultimately put it in the pressure cooker of sparring, gauze, wing chun versus non-wing chun sparring, to see if you can actually use that thing, right? Yeah. So we never say because you learn the form, you have the skill. No, you learn, you learn the form. That's it. Oh, man. There's, wing chun is littered with people who know forms and don't know what any of that stuff is for and and cannot use it but they'll tell you that they have the most authentic version of the form great mm. i'm gonna grab you use your chance out of your beauty and now let's go boom and you grab them and suddenly oh they've never been grabbed like that before and they're not even thinking about the the chance out because shit they're being grabbed yeah. but because you've never actually tested this stuff out all right the form is just the basic movement it would be like someone who, who went to an MMA school and started learning uh, shadow boxing in the air, how to do kickboxing combinations, and then was like, all right, coach, go ahead and put me in. Yeah. And it's like, oh, no, 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 no. You're, you're 
shadow boxing movements in the air. Uh -huh. We got to do bag work, then we got to do mitts, then we got to do sparring, then we got to work on your wrestling. It's like, slow your roll. No, but it's the I same just thing. learned the ABCs. Now throw me in a spelling bee. Exactly. I'm right? ready. I'm it's so ready thing. for the and spelling this is, bee. This is a problem we have with, um, with this kind of misunderstanding of forms as being like, oh, you know, because... In Wing Chun's very coveted. Oh, I learned the Buji. Oh, mm -hmm. wow, that guy learned Buji. I mean, back in my day, you know, the guys who learned Buji, you looked at them like they were rock stars. Like, oh, that guy learned Buji. Like, wow, that guy was a big deal. Right? Oh, that guy learned Wooden Dummy, right? But of course, the implication, at least in Learn Ting Wing Chun, was he learned Buji and also like the Buji Chi Sao and the sparring and how to use it, not just the form, right? It, although even back then, we thought just learning the form was like, you know, like, you know, gonna make you special or whatever, right? Right. Um, the, the form is your first tool to train the movements without the stress of someone trying to hurt you. Basically, you imagine it's your ability to sharpen the techniques without external stressors, mm -hmm. all right? Uh, unless you're doing the form in front of your Sifu, then you have an external stressor, Ooh, right? God. Ooh, uh, goddamn. So uh, that's what we have to be very clear is this idea that just you learned a certain sequence of waving your hands and moving your wrists and moving your legs. Um, in a certain order doesn't now necessarily bestow you with a a measurable fighting skill. The measurable mm -hmm. the fighting skill comes from learning how to use it in practice, right? Um, so that that needs to be said because this kind of implication that like I learned the form, therefore, all right. There is a very famous Sifu. I won't say who he is. Why not? But let's just say if I said his name. Yeah. Everyone who listens to our podcast would know who he was, okay? You can go to this guy in Hong Kong. And I think I know what you're talking from about. From zero Wing Chun training, mm -hmm. this guy with a couple weekend seminars will teach you all the forms and the chi sao drills, and within six months will make you an instructor in a Sifu. From zero to Sifu, mm -hmm. okay? But what you quickly realize is... This person just teaches the forms. So after six months, you can pantomime, assunum, tawa, chumkyu, abuji, dummy, maybe some awful weapon stuff, right? And you can do some, you know, prearranged shisa, punsao, lapta drill, pakta drill one, pakta drill two, whatever, and a couple weird bits of footwork and one or two very dry applications and sprinkle a little pixie dust and now you're a sifu, right? And that's the problem is that it's not a, just a misunderstanding from people looking outside of our art. It's also a misunderstanding from a number of people who are inside the art, mm. okay? Uh, mm. That we have to get this idea that just having learned a form puts you on a certain pedestal. Now, if the quality of instruction is very high level, like we talked about in our ranking video, right? Uh, and it takes a certain amount of skill before you're qualified to learn something. Instead of just like how many Wing Chun people teach, uh, okay, learn the Siyunam Tao form. Let me take a look. Ah, good enough. All right, here's Chumkyu. The Chumkyu form, okay, basically knows the choreography. Here's Buji. And it's like, well, what, what about how to use the stuff in that form? Or are we just reducing Wing Chun now to the set list of the forms? Because that would be like reducing Wing Chun to the items on a menu, yeah. but never serving the food. Oh, God. Okay? So you have a menu that says hamburger, cheeseburger, yeah. but you never actually ate one. Yeah. Or did one, or made one. Oh, oh, oh. You just have a menu that has those words on it, but That's you've it. never done it. Yeah. Okay. Or oh, to use a, a music analogy, uh -huh. it's not even the forms are not even the notes. Mm. The forms are the list of songs. 
but you have to play the songs and play the music. Yeah. You can't just say, I have a list of 10 songs right here. <laughs> yeah, can I hear this song? No, I have a list of 10 songs right here. <laughs> can I, I want to hear, hear that song? song. Can yeah. I see you do that Let's song? Play it. No, I have a list. That's the problem. Play the song. And so this is also a big issue within the Wing Chun world. Of course, it's also a problem in the other Kung Fu styles as well. Okay. But the Kung Fu genius stays in his lane. All right? I'm just bitching about Wing Chun here, right? So <laughs> now to the question. Biuji but Chun, the Biuji never leaves the door. Okay. So this is a saying that I believe was very important in the old days. Mm. Okay. In the proverbial olden days, as my, my daughter said. In the olden days, how did you guys get online? Olden, she literally asked me that question. Olden days. In the olden days, how did you get online? <laughs> the late 1900s. Yes, exactly. Right. But oh, wow. I love the olden days. The right. Olden I used to call days. it the olden days when I was a kid. We all called it the olden days. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And you know, my daughter has picked that up, right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah we, we were watching uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, and like, this is a movie made in the olden days. <laughs> 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 no, so just as a aside, someone uh, tweeted about watching The Ring with their kids and saying how she had to explain the horrors of like VHS. Yes, like, no, yes, like, exactly, right? Like oh, wow. Not the actual horror of the film, just all oh, like wow. the, 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 the lack of technical yeah. stuff that was going on. Press and play movie. and rewind. And <laughs> yeah, and all that kind of oh, stuff, right? Goodness. Awful. And then dealing Having with like uh, some static, having to use the tracking oh, yes. to get the thing to go right. Oh, yes, the horrors. The yeah, horrors. The, the stuff that kids nowadays never have to deal with right mm -hmm. or like when they watch home alone and they're like why can't they just text him yeah. <laughs> oh wow oh yeah yeah that didn't exist back then oh, oh that's really inconvenient <laughs> you know this the same thing like you know yeah. if, if bruce willis had a cell phone and die hard like that movie's done in five minutes yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean so um, yeah it's crazy so they have to always come up with new stuff right so, um, hey, Kung Fu Genius fans, if you like what we do here, please consider supporting us on Patreon. For as little as five bucks a month, you'll get early access to episodes and other goodies not posted on the Kung Fu Genius channel. With higher levels of support, you can get your name in the description, a live chat with me, or at the baller level, you even get your own personal KFG episode with me as my guest. The link to our Patreon page is in the description of this episode below. Patreons have a direct link to chat with me and get first dibs on any questions for Ask Me Anything episodes. Click on the link in the description for our Patreon page for more information, and I'll see you on Patreon. In the olden days, so let's say in the, in the, in the days. days before Yip Man. Okay, let's mm. just let's just let's just make a generic time period of like in the days of uh, Leung Jan or Chan Mashan. Okay, uh, martial art styles they were considered like proprietary secrets of the family or the Sifu that was teaching it. Right, because um, it has partially to do with Chinese history at that time. Mm -hmm. The development of Kung Fu styles were normally very insular, meaning like they were, you know, a certain family developed a style. They kept it within a family. Mm -hmm. um, styles that are of Hakka origin, for example, uh, would only be taught to men within the Hakka tribe. Right. And not okay. to women generally. Okay. Although hmm. there are exceptions. And the reason was because a woman in China could also marry outside of her tribe. And they didn't want their 
Hakka Kung Fu going to going. someone from an, who is another type of Chinese, like mm. a Cantonese person or something like that, right? Oh. So that's why, so the women wouldn't learn it, not because like, oh, women can't do Kung Fu, but because uh. the women could be married off to outsiders. All right. So that gives you an idea of what the mindset was. Now, I'm not saying it's correct. Yeah. Okay. I'm not saying that it. You're not benefited. condoning this behavior. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying that this extremely secretive way of looking at your stuff benefited. I'm just trying to give some context. All right. That these things were considered, you know, this is how you fight. All right. And, and I think what they maybe didn't understand in China or in ancient times is that in general, Fighting is, it's a human phenomenon, and there are ways that you, th there, are only certain, there are only certain ways that you can fight as a human being, given our anatomy, that are effective. But because, you know, the internet was really bad in the 1850s, and, you know, people oh, growing up in, people grew up potato, worse than yeah. potato quality, it was mashed potato quality. Oh, man. Um, in the gay so, 90s. So, so the idea of, you know, Learning or knowing Kung Fu in rural China mm -hmm. and having any idea of what martial arts are like in the next village, let alone the next country, let alone on the opposite side of the world, that was a non-starter. So one of the things that we've kind of seen through mixed martial arts and, you know, years of being able to watch fighting on TV, video, whatever, is, you know... How, how does striking work in general? How is striking effective? How is it not effective? How is defense effective? What things work for self-defense? What things work for the ring? Mm -hmm. You know, how do you kick effectively? How do you grapple? How do you keep someone from trying to wrestle you? We see all these things. Now we have access to all this information and then we start to see, ah, these are the things that we do really well in Wing Chun. These are the things that could be improved. Every style has done that, right? Okay. So, uh, but in those days... They, I don't think they realized how much more unified effective martial arts are because they were very tribal. They were all in these little communities where they created their own martial arts styles and their martial arts style was how they protected their clan, their sect, their family. So they don't want other people learning how they're going to fight yeah. because that was their... That was, that was their trade secret, all right? Yeah. You know, the one style is going to try to lock up your arms using the mantis hooks. Uh, the other style is going to try to, you know, grab you and throw you like Shui Chiao. The Wing Chun guys are going to come in with rapid fire striking. The Hongar guys have their strong bridges. The Choi Lei Fut guys are going to come with powerful forearm swinging. And so you didn't want the other people to know too much about your style, Mm -hmm. because there were no videos, there were no TV, they weren't going to see it. Mm. So the only way they could find out is if there was someone who was too loosely showing something that they shouldn't Looking be showing. So someone would see it, they would know, oh, those Wing Chun guys are square, they come in this way here, so we should develop this and this to fight that, or these Charlie Fudd guys do this, so you got to do this, or whatever. Um, they only had the styles as they developed it. Now, oddly enough, most of the Chinese martial arts styles seem to have been developed by people who did have knowledge of other martial arts styles. So, okay. for example, and I'm not condoning the bullshit fairy tale of Wing Chun. <laughs> Why but, not? But if, if, you, um, if you look at most of the styles, the southern styles at least, it's usually like so-and-so who knew this met with so-and-so who knew this, and they combined their styles together so that they could fight against this other guy, for example. And it's a very... 
generic, non-specific example, but some some variation one way or another is kind of how many of the styles developed. So that meant that the founders of the various styles were actually somewhat open-minded because they had learned something, maybe, uh, let's just use a very generic meme, traditional Shaolin Kung Fu. Okay. And then they realized that there were certain issues using this style, whether in the case of Wing Chun, the Shaolin Kung Fu required too much brute strength for a woman to use against a man, and it also required that you have to train it for so long before you can use it. Oh, man. So then we need to take our Shaolin Kung Fu, for example, all right? It's a generic example of which I don't believe in any specificity, any specifics of it, right? <laughs> um, but we have to take our Shaolin knowledge, and we have to condense it so we can teach it much more quickly and do it in a way that's much more effective against people who might be bigger and stronger than you, for example, right? Mm -hmm. So that meant that the founders had to have known other things and seen problems and engineered and tinkered and fixed, which is a very modern and progressive attitude. But then they mo the moment they tinkered and fixed and like, aha, we have the, you know, the, the, the antidote versus Shaolin Kung Fu. They use these wide movements. We're going to use short, tight, simultaneous offense and defense, right? Okay. They, you know, chamber all the way to the waist and put everything into that one punch. And we're going to blitz them before they have a chance to even chamber their hand. We're going to focus on straight line. And if we run into their arms, we're going to stick and so on and so forth. So... If you imagine, and it's obviously an oversimplification of how Wing Chun was developed, the founders developed this style looking at what the other guys did mm -hmm. because they had access to it, because they had learned it, or they knew someone who had it, and they fix it, they come up with something, and now they have this new hypothesis of martial arts. And the moment they do this, oh, now you can't change it, now you can't improve it, and now mm. you can't show it to anyone else because this is like our proprietary blend. It's the KFC's herbs and spices, and they're not going <laughs> to yeah. let you know it, Can't right? That. You know, the colonel, he had uh -huh. to mix a bunch of stuff to just, right? He had to make a lot of mistakes, lots of trial and error until he got it right. And he's like, fuck it, In I'm not showing anyone this. Too. I'm not showing anyone this. Fuck that. The supposed recipe's like locked somewhere. Same yeah. thing with like the Coca-Cola recipe <laughs> or whatever, right? Ooh, yes. So, um, so then it becomes something like that. So what you see is that, to a certain degree, the founders of the various traditional martial arts styles, Chinese Kung Fu in this case, were somewhat open and progressive in that, that they saw that there was a problem. Because people who are very conservative never think anything they're doing is wrong. They think the best way is the old way and you can't change it. No. So it takes someone to go, maybe this isn't the right way. And that's kind of a very mm. modern and progressive take on something. So maybe, maybe instead of being sideways, we should be square. Thinking outside maybe in, the Maybe box. instead of backing away from someone, we should get really close to yeah. minimize the damage, right? Uh, maybe we should not be imitating the movements of animals, and we should just be looking at how humans move and, and try to optimize that, right? Okay. And then they create this awesome idea, and then chup, now it's closed. Now you can't change it. You see what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then there are people, very conservative strains within Wing Chun that think that this version of the hypothesis they created in the 1850s need not be altered. And there is no corner of your life in which you think that way, except for some people in traditional martial arts. Brazilian jiu-jitsu people did not rest with the Brazilian jiu-jitsu that they've had. They're constantly improving it. Wrestling is improved. Okay. The boxing game improves by the training methods and the way, you know, they always try to find better ways to do it, right? And as fighters grow up now, they grow up watching years and years of, foot of footage of fighters who are the greats. So a fighter coming up now 
has an endless library of people who came before them to figure out, okay, this guy's got a body type like mine. This mm -hmm. guy's got a style like mine. Let me look at what this guy does because I think I can imitate it. And now let me make it my own and change it yeah. and make it something new. You simply did not have access to this information in those days. So instead of going for this idea that we're going to look around and see what other people do, they turn it into a closed system. So no one, okay, we got this and we won't let you have it. And mm. then that very closed idea is not just pervasive for the other people trying to come in, but it starts to grow within the family. Wow. That like, okay, well, now you start learning it, but, you know, unless you are loyal, you've been around for a while, you've put in the time, you're not going to get this other little secretive thing. So then this, this idea of kind of holding these secrets then starts to grow within the style. And um, there are reasons for it that are mostly with Chinese culture. What are these reasons? Um, well, the reasons are you have to earn the right to learn something more advanced. And, and mind you, I agree with some of these things, okay? Um, but Earning not, the but, right. But not because of uh, uh, like some strict adherence to Confucian uh, uh, philosophy. I just, for me, it's always a movement thing. Okay. Um, it doesn't make sense for a beginner to start whacking away on the dummy just because they saw a Jackie Chan movie. Oh, Wing Chun's on the dummy. Why do I have to yeah. wait to go on the dummy? When you can't stop someone from punching you. Hey, if I fire a punch at you and you don't know how to send your hands forward or close the gap or swarm, then what you're doing on the dummy is a waste of time. Okay. So then I can say, you don't need that for now. You're not ready for that because we have to teach you how to handle people coming at you with punches and kicks and you have to learn basic footwork and how to close the gap and mm -hmm. how to stay square and use your hands, right? It's not that that thing is such a secret that I don't want you to see it or, you're, or whatever. It's just that you don't need that right now. You're not ready for it. Mm -hmm. Like we got to start, you got, if the language analogy is always the best, right? Um, you got to learn your ABCs. Then you learn basic words then you learn simple sentences. Then you string sentences and make paragraphs and you have conversation. All right. And it's like, we can't have, but, but hitting, whacking on a wooden dummy is like trying to have a specific conversation about the type of coffee you like <laughs> with someone who doesn't know how to speak yet. Oh, damn. It's like, so it's not like, oh, well, we can learn to speak just by having conversation. Or we do that already at the beginning by having basic sparring, light sparring for the beginners so they can start to get. That's like learning baby phrases. <laughs> but like going and hitting the wooden dummy and trying to do popeyes and stuff with that. And it's like, no, that's like having an ultra specific conversation and you can't speak yet. And I'm not telling you you can't do it because it's so advanced you can't talk about coffee. I'm just saying like. Can we learn like how to ask for directions and how to ask for the yeah. bathroom and how to where's the exit before we start discussing geopolitics in this foreign language? OK. <laughs> oh, and, no. and so for me, it's just a matter of is the student ready for it movement wise? Do they have enough of a movement vocabulary? Do they have enough experience where it even makes sense to go on to this next step? Or are they still kind of cutting their teeth with these basics? Right. That's so I think the movements, the advanced stuff needs to be earned through practice and it needs yeah. to be earned through understanding, not earned through this is all this secret knowledge behind this door that I'm trying to hide from you. And because of traditional reasons, you can't learn it. I think that that is very stupid. I think that the student should be taught the thing when they're ready for it. 
Um, and mm. they're ready for it when they've trained the previous stuff to a competency, not just that they've seen it or mm. done it a mm. couple times. Oh, you did the chum cue form? You're ready for Buji? It's like that, that Batman Robin meme where he smacks him, right? <laughs> I'm ready for the... You can't even apply your chum cue, you oh, son of a bitch, damn. right? Uh, oh, so that, that, that is kind of the idea, memes. right? So this saying that the Buji is basically just saying, yeah, if you're not qualified to learn this... You won't learn it. And because the Buji form, and I'll get back to my previous point, teaches certain things that are kind of considered house proprietary information, uh, that they don't want to necessarily give that to people who are going to give that information to another tribe. Uh -huh. Because it was all about protecting the tribe. Okay. Uh, so the Buji, like I said, it teaches two tracks. We talked about the first one, rapid resolution. Oh, yes. So the second track that Buji teaches is how to deal with compromised where you're, situations where you're compromised or not optimized. There are people who say, Buji teaches emergency situations. Asshole, every fight is an emergency. Okay? <laughs> All right, the only one who thinks... You know, somehow you fight with a super cool head and then, right. oh, I got turned sideways. Oh, yeah. I'm in an emergency now. Let me throw my Buji. It's someone who hasn't been in a fight. Yeah. Someone gets in your face and says, hey, what are you looking at? What's your problem? Yeah. Not one punch is thrown, but it's a little bit of an emergency. Oh, man. So F out of here with the emergency <laughs> techniques. Bro, if you're about to throw hands with someone uh -huh. or someone's about to take a swipe at you, it's an emergency. It, all fighting is an emergency. All, all right. All of it. And even the guy, like the bouncer who's been bouncing for 20 years, yeah. he's got ice running through his veins. Yeah. And he yeah. just like, you know, he's got that look like that. Yeah. All yeah. right. It's still an emergency. He's still for him. in an emergency. <laughs> yeah. It's just he can handle it in a very relaxed way because mm -hmm. he's been there many times. Yeah. But don't let his cool demeanor <laughs> let you think that he's not an emergency because when he take the, gives yeah. that left hook to knock that dude out. Yeah. He does it because he's done it with experience. But the fact that he had to punch that guy meant it was an emergency. All right. It's just like they're confusing a person's cool demeanor from experience with him not being in an emergency. Mm -hmm. And watch most Wing Chun people when they fight, they look like they're in an emergency. All right. Without doing Buji. <laughs> so I would implore the Buji world, to, the Wing Chun world, I should say. Stop saying the Buji teaches you emergency situations. All fighting is an emergency. What are you talking about? All right. With the Buji, the second track of what Buji teaches you after giving you heavier firepower, rapid resolution, is how to deal with compromised situations or non-optimized positions. As you know, that Wing Chun is a style that focuses on we use a squared up position, right? Um, because we fight very close, all right? We're not out there dancing. You know, if you're, if you're bouncing away, you know, back and forth, kickboxing with your partner, well, you can use a bladed stance. The guy's far away. Why do I need to be square? I can't reach him. If my opponent is so far away that I can't reach him with a punch and kick, what's the utility of having a squared up position? That's why when I see those idiots go into the MMA ring, these Wing Chun guys, and their MMA opponent is on the other side, and they're starting square like this, I go... Why are you in a position that's for you using your two hands when the guy's a football field away from you? All right? We're talking about ring fighting. It has to be modified. You could be all squared up using all your Wing Chun tactics when you earn the right and you get over there and you're in his face. Mm -hmm. When you're far away and you're bouncing back and forth, you're, you're wasting energy to force yourself into this position which the situation doesn't require you to be in. Mm -hmm. That's why when you're in the ring using Wing Chun, it's a different tactic than in the street. It's totally different. And when you, I see a Wing Chun person in the ring, 
half a mile away, standing in a squared up position with his weight on the back leg. I go, oh, you'll be knocked out in five, four, four. three. I mean, come yeah. on. Okay. Because, and, 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 and then people go, oh, yeah, Wing Chun sucks or whatever. They know that this guy doesn't he, understand the Wing Chun tools and he's using the wrong tool. Yeah. It's, it's, like, it's, it's like a mechanic trying to open yeah. the hood of a car with a wrench. Yeah. Why isn't the hood opening? Yeah, all right. The wrong tool, buddy. Wrong all right. Tool. Um, and so, uh, what we mean by compromise situations is, okay, if, if I want to fight square to my opponent, all right, when I'm close, of course, not when I'm far away, right? When you're far away, you're not fighting anyway. Um, we have three advantages of a squared up position, okay? One is tracking, all right? If I have a squared up position as my opponent moves around, it's very easy for me to track a moving opponent at close range. Uh, two, Simultaneous offense and defense. Okay, oh, movements like ganso, you know, ganda, tanda, all these simultaneous actions. You can't do if you're bladed sideways because one hand doesn't reach. Yeah. All right, you need to be square to be able to use simultaneous offense and defense uh, with two hands. Of course, you can use simultaneous offense and defense with one arm that does both from a side-on position, but that's a topic for another day. Whole, uh, so you have the second advantage is simultaneous offense and defense, and the third advantage of a squared-up position is overwhelming offense. So if I'm squared up to my opponent, I can go in guns blazing, chain punches, elbows, swarming, chain striking, mm. because I'm not constantly having to turn my body back and forth every time I hit. I'm squared, and with footwork and waist power and pressure, you, you swarm your opponent. So you have tracking, simultaneous offense and defense, and overwhelming offense. These are our bread and butter advantages of a squared up position. So what do we mean by a compromised position? When your opponent puts you in a position where you're not square. That's pretty That's it. much it. it. Okay. They could break your posture, snap your head down like in a clinch, you're oh, yeah. bent forward. That's compromise for Ooh. Wing Chun. We don't fight from so that position. So compromised. Uh, the guy can push you where you're suddenly sideways, and now you're side on to your opponent, right? So that's what we mean by good. So people call that emergency. It's like, no, you weren't in an emergency the whole time, <laughs> all right? Now you're, now you're compromised in an emergency, all right? Yeah. So what the BUG does is it teaches you how to fight kind of off your back foot when you're side on when you're falling backwards, when you've been pushed and you're about to fall, oh, when your posture has been broken. And when you look at the BUG curriculum, the BUG, GSL, the BUG <laughs> application, well, it's a lot, right? Yeah. That's why uh, even before our students learn BUG, we have to teach them certain applications from the big winding arms where they're bent forward because... If you haven't learned Buji yet, someone still might snap your head down and put you in a guillotine. Someone still might bend you forward when they put you in a headlock. You can't say, well, I haven't learned Buji yet. I can't get out of this position, mm -hmm. right? So for self-defense purposes, we have to teach some of the Buji stuff early on because these are things that can very well happen in a fight before someone has had the chance to learn Buji, right? So Buji teaches rapid resolution, your heavier firepower, mm -hmm. and it teaches you kind of ingenious, cool ways to get out of positions where you're kind of getting your ass kicked a little bit, right? Where you're losing a little bit, right? Damn. So that's why it's not just a random addition to the Wing Chun system. Siunam Chao and Chumkyu is your operating system. And when you run into problems applying Siunam Tao and Chumkyu, you, you hit the limits, the wall of what those two forms can give you because you need heavier firepower or you're put in a position where you're compromised. Mm -hmm then the Buji is like a software patch that fixes those limits within the operating system, okay? But it doesn't replace it. You don't fight like a Buji guy. 
Oh, wow. Right? Some WT people think so. They're like, oh, the Bugi is based on the knives. No, yeah. the, the knives are based on Bugi, moron. Um, <laughs> yeah, how do you know that? Uh, Yip Man said it in New Martial Hero magazine. Okay. Um, okay, so so it's like because they're, they're people, this is within, this is a, a criticism of my own lineage, that when they learn Bugi, then everything they do is open-handed, and then you see, like, they're always doing all these kind of fancy-looking things. Like, the guy gives you a punch, all right? And the simple solution in Wing Chun is, boom, all right? The hitting hand is the defending hand, right? The guy comes like, boom, one action, you finish it, quick, all right? Boom, quick, fast. But within my lineage, some guys learn the Buji, and then that same punch comes in, and they step back, man, so, come, na, so, hook punch, here, maybe a tie sao, because that's a super important oh, thing. Wow. And then an elbow and then hit and then here so and then some fancy, fancy looking clinch with this one. And it looks cool, but oh, one, the other guy's not really man. resisting. And two, it's like, okay, let me get this straight. Homeboy threw a punch at you and you needed eight movements to solve <laughs> it because it looked cool. If that's what your beauty is teaching you, oh, no. then I'll stick with I'll stick with just hitting the guy and finishing it as quick as I can, right? So, and, and that's a criticism in my lineage. I look at some of, some of the guys in Europe that, you know, when they do the buji, it's like, you know, the guy comes at them with a punch and they'll do a kapchang against the punch and then do a bong faksa. And it's like, well, what? Like, on what planet do you think you'd be Ooh, able to pull that off? Sexy. Right? It looks sexy in a demonstration, but, <laughs> but, it's, stuff, it's, but it's trash. It's Fighting that, is sexy. It's, uh, no, it's not. All right? Not at all. All right? Should be. It's trash. All right? And, and it, <laughs> no, it's total shit. Goodness, man. They're the only people that really glorify what they can do in a fight are really people who haven't been in there. Fighting is nasty. It's really mm -hmm. nasty. I mean, someone's some really trying to hurt you, and you have to defend yourself. It's about putting all your tools together and doing your best, and it's not about the consideration of trying to look good or look cool or whatever. I mean, this is for films and TV and demonstrations, but this shouldn't be filling in the students' heads of this is someone Someone gives you a punch. Like, the wooden dummy's even worse. I see some guys in Europe, WT guys, the guy fires a punch, they step back, they do the months on the sidekick from wooden dummy and then they come in again come nasa i'll throw the guy do this do this peel his face back punch him here with a hook punch or whatever like, that's all cool stuff but the dude gave you one punch and you just did nine things and the guy didn't do anything in between there's a problem with practicing that way one if the guy doesn't resist you don't learn how to adapt to a resisting opponent all right two if you if your opponent attacks you with one movement and you do eight really cool-looking things to them, and they're still standing, how come nothing you did had any power? <laughs> so the thing is, it's like, while they're going like, oh, look, dong, fax, out, la, po, do, do, grab the guy's head, punch here, kick, yeah. you know, side kick to the supporting leg, knee, yeah. swip, treep, uh, trip, kick him down, punch him this mm. way here, give him an elbow here, whatever, like, look how cool he's like. The guy didn't resist, oh, man. which I'm not sure if then, if he resisted, you'd have to use other movements. Mm. You'd have to do something according to what he did. And two, you basically showed me that you'd hit the guy eight times and he'd still be standing there. So either you're committing murder, okay, or nothing you're doing has any power. Baby soft. All right? So the problem is when I look at that kind of training and they go, this is Buji. No, this is not Buji. Mm. Because the Buji, if applied in Gosao, Chisao sparring, or Latsao, or just straight up sparring, would be there in a flash and then it would be done and you'd be back to your regularly scheduled program if you didn't already end the fight. You know, you're going and bop, 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 and the guy pushes you and you lose your balance. Come now, so punch, done. And then you're right back into it. Your bougie was right there where you needed it, a software patch. Yeah. And then you're right back to what you're doing. 
That's it. You're not now doing 10 buji movements in a row to go, I'm applying the buji. No, you're trying hard to look like you know what the buji is about. <laughs> so that, that's kind of like my issue with, with the way that it's often done. But when you look at the, you know, in the old days where these things really were the secrets, this was how you resolved the software glitches of Siunam Tao and Chumkyu. Yeah, you best bet that they're not going to teach that openly or they're not going to teach that to a student who they think might give it to someone else. You know, oh, this student's a little too friendly with the guys from the Mantis group over there. Maybe not teach this guy Buji, oh, right? No. Now, I'm not saying that that, Can't do that is a good thing. I'm not saying that I agree with it. I'm just trying to explain why in Qing-era China, mm -hmm. something like that might have made sense when people are trying to protect their proprietary blend of fighting. Right. Uh, it might make sense in that context. It doesn't make sense on the whole uh, for the development of the martial art. Hmm. Because um, let's say my enemy finds out my Buji secrets. All right. They know that if they put me in this really messed up position, I have this little card up my sleeve oh, wow. and I can get out. So they then develop something to counter that. And when I use it, they have a counter. And the Chinese would look at that as like, oh, it's very bad. They learn how to counter your thing. But I go, now I have to learn how to counter that. Mm. You understand? This is like how Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu got so good. They start adding leg locks. Now it changes how you do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu because you got to watch out for the guy grabbing your legs and finishing the fight and ripping your right. ankle or tearing your knee in half. Ooh. So now your normal jits yeah. has to be done in such a way where you're also now aware of your legs. So they're much more aware. They're much more technical. Well, if I know that some of my best buji goodness <laughs> can be countered by the guy I'm fighting... Because he's also got some stuff. Well, then I want to know how he counters it because then I can, one, on the most base level, counter the counter that he has against mine, which I never saw before. But two, I can also improve the original technique to then not be countered by that thing Ooh. he came up with, right? Maybe now if I just jam his stance when I give him the dong fax out, yeah, he can't move around counter. and do this thing. So, so then what it allows you to do, if someone else knows some of your shit, mm -hmm. it allows you to say, okay, but now how can I do my stuff in a way where they can't do the counter they came up with? Or if they do that counter, I now have a way to get around it and finish it, right? Mm -hmm. So then what ends up happening is your martial art becomes even better because now it's being forged and pressed in the pressure cooker of modernity and comparison yeah. which it doesn't do when it's sequestered and kept as a secret so the long story short Buji never leaves the door was perhaps at one point in the history helpful but nowadays I think it's detrimental and to answer the other thing you said in there well does it make sense now because the buji form you could see it on on youtube or whatever right, right. um it's not because of that the fact that the you can see all the forms for the most part except the learning ting knives you can't see them on youtube oh. there are people that think they're demonstrating oh. the learning ting knives on youtube no 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 even when the couple clips of learning ting doing the, the bits of the learning ting knives uh, he's no. not even doing it right because uh, he's doing it for public demonstration he's, when he shows little bits of the form he's intentionally doing it so wrong or whatever cunning. um and and all these guys in 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 you know these 
guys who learn from Sergio or whatever, doing their knife form on there, whatever. Like, this, this is not Lang Ting's knife form. Uh, this is this is a, a, this is like a. You ever make a Xerox Xerox copy of a Xerox copy? Wow. All right. It yeah. just looks shit. Yeah, that's way better than what those guys are doing. Right. <laughs> just a copy of a copy of a copy. What's yes. it called? Ge- uh, not generational de- de- decline. It's. Um, yeah, maybe it's generation de- degrading. Something like that. Something right? like that. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, it, it's not that the forms are on YouTube and you can see it. Because again, like I said earlier, the secret is not on the form. Mm. If you see the Buji form, what do you know of it? What do you know? What, why are they doing this thing with their hands? Well, you saw the form. doesn't mean you know what it's for. Man. doesn't mean you know how to do it correctly. So the fact that the forms are available on YouTube, I don't think that nullifies this statement as not being true. Um, what nullifies the statement as not being true is that we would be much better if we improved how we did things by comparing it to other people rather than trying to sequester it. And that's all I got to say about that. All right, everyone. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Kung Fu Genius. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Kung Fu Genius. Hit that bell for notifications. And if you have any ideas for a future episode of KFG, go ahead and write those in the comments below. And as always, I'll see you guys next time. Word is I'm a kung fu genius Technique speaks for me, not lineage Forget Jet Li, cause I'm the one Many call me Sifu, but to you I'm Seagung And I produce masters, you surpass us Your kung fu stiffer than corpse and caskets City Wing Chung is the house I built Violate the gate and your blood gets spilt Alex Richter, always the victor So you know why he's all salty right now? He was on the phone with me all night Sorry bro Yeah Hey yo yeah. <laughs> Now he was he was he was letting her know he's she gay. messes with our boy Dre. We're gonna fucking send a hit mob over there. All right. He wanted to make sure it was very clear to her. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I appreciate mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Andrew, make sure you put this in the outtakes. All right. So. Man, that could have gone so much further. <laughs> Are you ready? Uh, what was the second part again? All right, peeps. <laughs> All right, Dre. Let's go. Yeah, he's not a one take Jake. He's a two take Tom. He's an infinite infinite take Tina. Infinite take (laughs) Tina. Wow. Take Tina. All right, people. On today's episode, the genius... Dre, come on, let's go. Let's do some real energy here, all right? Let's go. This is my energy. Let's get it done with, all right? All right, people. On today's episode... Dre. You know what? Let the painter paint. Let's see what we come up with. Let's see what we come up with. Yeah. It's a left-handed Bob Ross. (laughs) What in the wacky world? All right, people. On today's episode. On today's episode. They're peeps. They're not people. All right, peeps. On today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be answering all sorts of hot nonsense from the Patreons. Lots of gems. All right, peeps. On today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius. What? I didn't say anything. You said nothing. I said nothing. Guys are conspiring. I see it. He's turning into Howard Hughes, man. Pretty yeah. soon he's going to be walking in here with uh, tissue boxes for shoes. Yeah, and, and, right. and, you know, keeping jars of urine. Yeah. Well, he does that anyway, but that's a separate reason. All right, peeps. On today's episode of With Kung Fu and All right, peeps. On today's episode. Lots of gems. Lots of beauty never leaves the door. Lots of you think. Fighting <laughs> it up. is oh, an emergency situation. Think Shatner-like pauses <laughs> are going to help you remember Shitner. the line. Yeah. 
What time is it, Mikey? Oh, sorry. I got oh, okay. All right. All right, peeps. Fine. On so today's episode. Why, why do you go before you have clearance? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. <laughs> right, peeps. I love that. That's somehow our fault. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. It's like, <laughs> it are is. you ready? You ready, Bill Shatner? All right, peeps. All right, peeps. <laughs> On today's episode of The Gung Fu Genius, the genius will be answering all sorts of hot nonsense from YouTube. No! We wouldn't have used that take anyway. It was a good take. Dre, be a professional. All right, peeps. On today's episode of The Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be answering all sorts of hot nonsense from the Patreons. Lots of gems. Lots of beauty never leaves the door. Lots of you think... Yuji is used in emergency situations. Well, my friend, show me. That was the equivalent of him just taking a dump on the table. Show me a fight that is not an emergency. All right, Pete. Do you want me to do it, Dre? Huh, I got this. I, I can do this. it. Yeah. I got this. Mikey I got this. Because we have you basically here for one thing, and sometimes it feels like you can't. You had one job, Dre. People are going to forget about Dre if this is how you keep going. It's like dealing with an insolent child. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, peeps. On today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius. <laughs> I love that. He's like, it's like dealing with an insolent child. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's fair. That, that's a fair description of, of me. Can I just do what I'm supposed to do? I would love for you oh, to do it. We've been that. waiting. We've been waiting for 10 minutes. <laughs> we would love yeah, that. We'd love Let me do this. I know. Can, can you? Can That's you? the question. Can, can you? That's the question. Stop right. calling me. The genius will be answering all sorts of hot nonsense from Patreons. Lots of... What? Because I stressed them. Because I stressed them. You stressed the wrong emphasis. Yeah, the word stressed is doing a lot of heavy lifting there. That's right. Lots of, you think, beauty is for emergency situations? Well, show me you in a fight that was not an emergency. It's too personal, Dre. Yeah. Send me. It's too personal. All right, peeps, on today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be answering all sorts of hot nonsense from the Patreons. Lots of gems, lots of beauty never leaving the door, lots of, oh, you think beauty is for emergency situations? Show me a fight you've been in that wasn't an emergency. Send us the video. Let's get to it. Fucking amateurs. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's, Let's do, it. do it. Okay, cool. All right, peeps. On today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be answering all sorts of hot nonsense from the Patreons. Lots of gems. Lots of beauty never leaves the door. Lots of... Oh, you think fighting? Damn, I keep saying emergency. You think beauties for emergency situations will show me? Ah, head chopped off. All right, peeps. On today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be answering all sorts of hot nonsense from YouTube. I mean, not YouTube. The Patreons. Oh dear God! Oh dear God! Uh, Come on, man! Don't leave me hanging. <laughs> <laughs> 